Before we get started today, What Rules is kicking off a new rebrand of our podcast for Women's History Month. This year's theme is so appropriate because it centers on celebrating women who tell our stories. It recognizes women past and present who have been active in all forms of media and storytelling, including print, radio, TV, news, social media, and podcasts. And in our new and improved show, we are expanding to include more women of color executives than ever before to make sure our stories are told. In today's episode, we chat with one of our coolest guests, Tanika Cabral, who broke through economic barriers to get where she is today. Happy Women's History Month, and we hope you enjoy our new logo, new co-host, and new guest in 2023. In a previous episode, we were talking about how when Courtney and I met, it was just like this magical thing, and... And I know that happened with you, Dr. Madadi, and Tanika, maybe even before you met. We met virtually. And one of the things that happened is like, I just loved everything that she was saying. And I'm like, wow, I want to be her friend. And I actually remember talking to Alisa about it. Not even, I think that day I texted her and I was like, I just met somebody and she's my friend, but she doesn't even know she's my friend yet. <laughs> And then later, Tanika and I connected. Yeah, Tanika, tell your side of the story. (laughs) Well, you know what's interesting about this story? We have a mutual friend, and that mutual friend said, I know someone who should be your friend. And when I met Meradi, immediately, the vibe was right. You know when you feel it, and you you have to really trust that feeling. But yes, Meradi is my friend, and she was my friend before we knew each other. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Look at my smile if you can see me. <laughs> I love that. Today's theme is know what you want. And I think it's so relevant for friendship because as you get older, you start to realize not only what you want, but what you need in a friend and what's important. And you almost, I don't want to like, commoditize people, but you kind of have your checklist, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we all know just by what the little that we know, we're going to get to know Tanika more, obviously, in this episode. But like, she's super cool. So I mean, that's one of my <laughs> um, <laughs> requirements. <laughs> that I think you guys are all cool. So like, check, 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 right? What are the other things, Medadi, I'm curious for you, like, what are the things that you know, you want in a friend? What's important to you? One, somebody I could trust, and two, somebody that I could learn from. And to Mm -hmm. me, in the little time that I spent with her, I was learning so many things. I'm like, I want to be her friend, not just because she's cool, because she is. And if you follow her on Instagram, you see how cool she is. But because she's so smart that I could learn from her every single conversation that I have, or just to even listen to her speak. So to me, that was important, knowing that I can trust her and that I can learn from her and also that she can relate to me. Honestly, to me, that was Mm -hmm. important. And here's the thing. As cool as I am, I can be quirky. Maybe sometimes I can be annoying. (laughs) And if my daughter were here, she would tell you all of the other things that probably aren't the best about me because she's my truth teller, right? And I I appreciate that. But you know what? I can show up as all of those things and I'm loved just as much. I'm loved when I'm cool and I'm loved when I'm not. And when you have a friend who can appreciate everything that you bring to the table, that's one that you hold on to.
Welcome to the What Rules podcast, where we are here to help you outsmart the game to advance in your career. My name is Alisa Monjadas. I run a B2B marketing agency called Stories Bureau, and I'm an executive coach helping senior leaders shine in the workplace and reach new heights. Courtney, new host, who are you? First of all, I'm someone who's so happy to be here. I am a psychology lover and very passionate about helping people advance in their careers coming from a place of wellness um, and accountability. And the more we focus on our overall wellness, the better we can show up in the world and the better we can lead. And I am a Pilates lover which everyone here knows. And I bring all of them with me as much as I can. <laughs> Thank you. Dr. Madadi, who are you? Who am I? Well, I am Dr. Murari Simeon, and I'm an activator of talent, creating a world where multicultural women that look just like all of us here in positions of power are the norm. Thank you. And we have a special guest today, as everyone heard. Tanika, why don't you introduce yourself? And you can introduce yourself a little bit longer than us. So tell us about the different hats that you wear and who you are. I am Tanika Cabral, originally from Brooklyn, New York. And that's a part of my story. Like, I love saying that I'm from Brooklyn and it shaped me in so many ways and people see it come through. So yes, if you see it, check. Um, hopefully it's a good thing. Not always. I'm a mom of three feisty children who keep me on my toes and keep me busy. They are seven, 15, and 16, Jade, Sage, and Benjamin. I am also a lover of travel. I'm a Sky Miles collector, and I love to explore. <laughs> I love to see and understand different cultures, and it's helped me grow even more empathetic. It's helped me understand things beyond my own understanding, so travel is a love of mine. And I'm also a senior executive and my senior executive role helps me fund all of those things, the travel, the children and everything else. I serve as senior vice president of customer leadership, which is an organization that sits within the chief customer office of the Coca-Cola company. I have the great fortune and blessing of working with a really large team of about 40 people. And we're responsible for ownership across five, I would say, interdependent groups, everything from business development to sales to industry affairs, customer effectiveness, and our innovation lab for our customers. So that's my day job. And I've had 24 wonderful years with the company. I cannot believe it's been 24. But yes, that's my career. That's wonderful. You bring so much to the table. I mean, from being an executive to a mother to traveling, I love it. So thank you for sharing that. To be where you are today and get all those things, can you tell us what rules you may have broken in your career? Who knows, even in your personal life to achieve who you sure. are today? I found the unwritten rules can hold you back in ways that you don't anticipate, you don't imagine, and in ways that you don't even realize. And I just think about my upbringing. I said earlier that I'm from Brooklyn, New York, inner city, parents, 17 years old, lived in a housing project. I was that story that you see in movies. And there were many unwritten rules around me. This is where you belong. You don't deserve. You're not worthy. Those were some of the things that weren't necessarily said directly, but people sort of followed those unwritten rules. I rejected them early on, and I think it goes back to me really being an explorer. So when I was in school and maybe a counselor said, you can't do that. 
or, oh, sorry, you can't afford that. I was told things that I couldn't do, and I rejected them early on because I always found a way. I was very resourceful and always questioned. And so I think that's really important. When you think about breaking rules, it's about questioning. Sometimes we don't like to question authority, but we absolutely have to in order to go further faster. And that's what I've always done. I've been very curious. And so rule breaking is all about knowing that you can push past what someone has told you that you can't do if you have the courage and if you not necessarily are fearless, but if you you can do it scared, you can do it. I'm very curious before we leave this space. One of the things you mentioned is like you are very curious and ask questions. What are some of the most important questions you've asked to figure out what you want? Why? Now, let me tell you, that is the question. That actually is the question. Why? And if you've ever been in the space of a toddler, that's their favorite question, right? (laughs) They question everything. Why? Why is that the case? That's the question that I prefer the most. You know, I can relate to so much of your story, but I have one question for you because it sounds like you know what you wanted since you were younger, you kind of pushed. Was there an experience or something that pushed you to ask those questions or don't accept what people were saying to you? Because there's so many people that we talk to and me included for a long time, I had some limiting beliefs because people kept saying, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. So I was just wondering, was there an experience or something? What was that moment that you were like, no, I made the rules here. I'm gonna challenge them. There is something that happened very early in my life, and it shaped the way I approach naysayers or people telling me what I can and can't be. And this is a story that involves my mother. And my mother is my best friend. She is one of the most loving and nurturing women that I know. And I still look back and think, you were a baby with a baby, and you made it work. But because she was a baby with a baby, there were many things that she didn't know. And she didn't realize that I could do as much as I could. So when I was in high school, my mother said, you're in 12th grade now, and it's time to think about your future. There is an exam coming up for the New York City Transit Authority, and the token booth clerk job pays great money. There is an amazing pension, and this is a great job for you. And so you're going to take the exam. And I took the exam. And I aced the exam, and my mother was so excited. And she said, this is going to be a great career for you. They're going to call you back quickly because you have such a high score. And I said, Mom, I'm I'm not going to become a token booth clerk, not because it isn't a great job, but I just knew that there was more for me, and I said, I don't want to do that. And she said, why would you give up a good-paying job? And I said, because I'm going to college. And she said, oh, okay, how is that going to work? And who's going to pay for it? And I said, I have no idea because I was the first in my family, right, to go to college and graduate college. And so not a rule per se, but maybe an invisible fence, maybe something unwritten that said, this is what my child should be doing. And so I said, mom, I really don't know how it'll work, but I did already apply and I was accepted and I got a little bit of a scholarship. So I have to close the gap on the rest of the tuition. So if you could just get me there. I'll figure it out when I get there. And that's exactly what happened. And I graduated and went on to have a great career. And that right there was one of the first indicators that if you question, 
even something that appears to be the right thing, it gives you courage and motivation and drive to do it again and again and again. And that was one of my first, but obviously not the last. And as soon as that worked <laughs> out for me, I just kept on. Like, let's keep doing this. It's working. <laughs> Awesome. I love how you just push through. And I think when some of those rules are these unspoken rules that your parents or relatives have put on you, I like the term invisible fence. Obviously, your mom had a solution. She had a solution to get mm -hmm. you to the end of the line in the best way she knew possible. And I'm curious for you, Courtney, has there been anything that your family members or parents have put on you? Is there a part of Tanika's story that makes you think about yourself? Yeah, like the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think specifically, as soon as you said, it's a story about my mom. That's really like the root of it for me. My relationship with my mom has definitely shaped my question asking. And, you know, I think there was a point in the relationship as a kid. I was that toddler that said, why, why, why five hours straight in a car ride? She was like, why do you have so many questions? I know kids have so many questions, but you specifically have so many questions. <laughs> um, and honestly, from that point forward, even going into my college experience and how you were saying you were trying to close this gap in your tuition, my why as an adult became a how. I was like, how am I going to close a similar gap? And when you started sharing that, I was like, I so relate. Because my question was always like, it's not if it's going to happen. I was like, this is happening and it's not an option. How is it going to happen? And sometimes my parents would you look at me what? like, wow. <laughs> Man. Why? So we are born curious that at some point, maybe it's filtered out. I mean, think about that even with my own kids, or maybe you've experienced that when you get the why, the why, and the how, 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 sometimes it's like, shh, not right now. Why do you ask so many questions, but not in an encouraging way? Courtney, it sounds like your mom encouraged it, but sometimes it's, gosh, why do you have to always ask these questions? And then you think, maybe I shouldn't be showing up with all of this curiosity. And then you get to the table and you're quiet. I say this often about women. We aren't born meek. We aren't born without a voice, we lose it over time. And then that's when we need a workshop from Dr. Maradi around how to get your voice back, right? <laughs> because we've lost it at some point, but it was there all along. And so what we have to remember is that it's in us. It's already in us. Yes. And maybe over time it's been filtered out or beat out of us, but we can get it back. I'm curious, how do you teach your kids to ask questions that got you where you are today? Because it doesn't come naturally for everybody. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. those questions of why can feel really intimidating. Um, so for kids, for any woman listening or anyone listening, what would you say to them? I have to be intentional about it because I have a seven-year-old mm -hmm. who is super curious. And as you can imagine, right, we are all bosses on this call. So imagine having a long day, you've given your all, at work, you pick up your kid and your kid is firing off questions. And she, it's like, <laughs> my date, it's question after question. And sometimes the questions are like, where did that come from? Where did she even get that question? And so one of the things that I do to encourage it is allow it. 
So I don't ask her to not ask mm -hmm. me questions. I don't say, shh, not right now. If I am tired and there are times when I'm thinking, I don't have the energy for this question, I will ask her, what is it that you think? Or, man, that's such a good question. What answer would you give if someone asked that? So one of the first things I do is allow mm -hmm. them to ask. What I really gathered from what you were saying is that knowing what you want comes with holding space. Mm -hmm. Like you, if someone holds space for you and you hold space for others, naturally we will figure out what we want. And I think it's really powerful that like your kids are figuring out what they want and who they are because you're creating that space. Yes, it's important for us to do that. It, it opens the doors for your children to learn empathy, to understand influence, to think about negotiation. All of those things are going to build up in their career. What happens in the workplace? Because we know it does. You know, we want to encourage people to use their voice and be curious and talk about what they want and share what they want. It's so important. But what would you say, Tanika, to those people who feel like they've just been squashed over and over and over again? What I say is control what you can control. You cannot control the behavior of someone else, but you can control how you show up. So when you are squashed, when you are pushed down, when it feels like your opinions don't matter, when it feels like, I just said that, no one acknowledged it, he just said it, and it's a great idea. Like, how did that happen? Some will say, well, you know what? I probably shouldn't share my idea. They don't appreciate it anyway. No, it's the exact opposite. You keep sharing your ideas. You keep doing it. You show up as strong as you did the day before, because I've been in those situations where you show up and you share a great idea, and it's not acknowledged, but maybe acknowledged when someone else says it, right? You cannot allow those situations to define who you are. So you show up just as strong. And I do that, right? And I repeat myself. How many times do they say you have to say something before someone hears it, especially in training? I don't know, eight times or something like that? I Seven don't mind times. repeating myself <laughs> over and over. So I would say to that person, don't allow it to discourage you. Don't allow it to change you. Show up with the same behaviors Maybe you change your positioning a bit, and I found that when things aren't resonating, maybe I need to change how I'm showing up. Maybe I need to change how I share it. Maybe I need to change who I share it with. But the bottom line is you are still showing up. Don't allow that discouragement to take away your seat at the table. Your motto is to learn, lead, leave. And yes, that could open the door for so many rules. Can you Tell us a little bit more about that and what that means to you or how you go about it. I sure can. Dr. Marati, I shared this recently at a fireside chat. And when I explained it, someone said, that's not three L's, it's four. And so it probably changed since I last spoke with you. So I'm going to share what the fourth L is. Oftentimes, we find ourselves in situations and every day we're just getting the job done. We're getting it done. We're doing a good enough job. But I say that as you're getting that job done, you need to be intentional about what you're doing and the impact you should have at different phases in that job. So when I show up to a new role, I spend the first few months just learning and soaking it up and understanding every aspect of that job and understanding the different perspectives of the people around me. I call it the discovery period. I am a sponge. And then when I feel like I have learned to the point where now I can lead. And I'm starting to lead and I'm starting to create my impact. 
I'm starting to figure out how do I go beyond the role that I'm in to have a greater impact on maybe the team, maybe the organization, maybe the company. It's almost like a ripple effect. And after I feel like I have led and I am changing the scope of the work or maybe creating big shoes to fill, I start to think about my legacy. And that's now the third L, I think. (laughs) I start to think about my legacy. And I'm thinking about what I want to do in this role to leave it so that it's so much better than when I moved into the role. So what is the legacy that I will leave? And then once I feel like that legacy is, is in place, I leave. And I tell you, at one point in my career, I was president of our women's affinity group. And this was a 6,000 member organization across 70 countries. I was the global president of this organization. And I was the first mid-level manager to hold that job. It was one of the best experiences I've had. One of the best. I mean, I was able to change the structure of the team. I was able to bring in representation that reflected our member base. I was able to implement programs with this amazing team that broke records. We used a platform called Blue Jeans. It was where we would have our conference calls and our video conferences, and we crashed it because we had so many people on the line wanting to soak up this program. And then my final signature event was our Women's Leadership Conference, and I had Condoleezza Rice as our keynote speaker. We had, for the first time, global presence, women all around the world attending. And I felt like, man, I came in, I learned, I led, here's my legacy. And man, I'm sorry it's almost over, right? Well, I got called into the office and they said, you know, can you give us another year as president of this women's affinity group? And I said, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. I went home and I reflected and I thought, man, Tanika, you love this role so much but did you do what you came to do? Yes. Is the legacy in place? It is. I said, no, I will not extend my time in the role because it's as important to know when you should leave. And I was leaving with the legacy in place that I needed everyone to remember. I was leaving the shoes. I wanted everyone to remember that moment so the next president could come on and try to beat that. Because if they could beat that, then we would grow and become greater as an organization. So as difficult as it was for me to walk away from that role, I knew that I had done my four L's, right? It was like I, I learned, I led, my legacy was in place, and I left. And people were surprised by that. But guess what? When people talk about my time as president of that affinity group, they talk about the things that were part of my legacy. Sometimes we know that it's time to leave, but it's like, man, the boss is asking me to stay in this role longer, so they must appreciate me. Man, you know what? I'm going to stay a little longer. But no, you should have left. Have you ever had that experience? There was one role where I knew I, I got comfortable And I was doing, I was succeeding and I learned everything I could have learned. That was a big one because I was early in my career and that's when you should learn. And I had gotten to the place where I'd already aced what I was doing. And Mm -hmm. I started to get resentful because my growth stopped and I wasn't being challenged enough 
and I just didn't really enjoy my life <laughs> during that time. Mm -hmm. And I was still working as hard as I was before, which was way too much. Um, so I was still doing all the things, but I wasn't, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of, of the term called the S curve. It's where you're just kind of learning and then you kind of mm -hmm. get to that point where you're acing it. And then, and then at the top, you're like at the top of your game. And when you know, in your career, if you're at the top of your game, it's time to go. And sometimes yeah. when you're at the top, you're like, but it feels good here. But for me, it felt good only for so long. And mm -hmm. I was desperate to get out at that point. And I don't think that's where any of us want to be. You don't want to be in that place mm -hmm. where you're like, I'll do anything now. Uh, because now you're yeah. probably going to compromise and not do what you set up that you wanted to do. That's right, because then you are running away from a job and not running to yes. a job. So part of knowing what you want is also knowing what you don't want. And when you get that tap on the shoulder from a leader who says, you would be really good in this position, would you consider it? And you know it doesn't align with your career plan. You know it's not something that you want to do, <laughs> but it's like, man, but this leader is asking me. I feel so appreciated. Say no. <laughs> right? <laughs> Say no. Also, know when it's time to go. Don't stay too long. Don't stay too long. You know, I, I love um, that conversation. I actually <laughs> felt like when in my executive coaching journey, I took a lot of breaks and went into marketing and did some other things. I knew it was time to focus on my coaching and coaching women. But there was this other piece. I was with a coach who said, what do you think God is telling you? And I was like, oh, I've never had a coach mm. ask me, like, what is God speaking? And it was like, I need to be doing this. Like, I need to step into the position that he's called me to be and impact these women. And that was a really powerful moment. But on the other side of it, I looked at the 10 years before that, that I had kind of wasted my time and not really stepped into my calling. And so there was a little bit mm -hmm. of like, it was fine, right? Everything turned out great. <laughs> like it was okay. But I, it was like the first time really seeing like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And then also recognizing I wasn't where I was supposed to be because mm -hmm. I was comfortable mm -hmm. and, and, and succeeding in other areas. Elisa, what you said reminded me of um, an experience I also had when I had like three or four promotions at a company in a year, and it was almost too quickly that I knew I was going to burn out. And I also knew it wasn't what I wanted. And mm. a similar question that I asked myself, not just what is God telling you, but also asking myself, like, does every promotion actually come from God? And sometimes mm. promotions can also be distractions. Mm. And they aren't from God. And I think it's just such a real conversation that you just brought up. Like, what is he actually calling you to do? And what's just dangling over your head? And it might look and sound really, really, really good. But if your heart's like really pulling in another direction, it's clear that's not what you want. Like, listen to that. Yeah. Now that brings me back to something that you said earlier, Tanika. Even when it seems good, even when it's rewarding, ask the question, why? Because everything that you're talking about, it's, I've been in that situation 
And Courtney, to your point, you're getting promoted and it's all good stuff. But I'm like, why? <laughs> why should mm-hmm. I do this? And does it not only questioning the negative, but also questioning like, hey, this is a positive thing. You're getting promoted. You're moving up. But why? Is it the right thing for me? Is it part of, of my career? And you hear so many times, it's like, oh, but this is one way you could go and there's different ways. So being able to discern, hey, is this what's right for me at the moment? And am I going to get burned out? All these other things and values that go with it. I, I just wanted to bring us back to that because I think that's so critical. Ask the questions, even when it is something that seems right. And careers really can take shape and you can have a robust career, but it not be what you want. You know, it's sort of like you're on a raft and the waves are just taking you. You're making progress. Mm. There's movement. But what's the destination? You have no idea. There's no real navigation. And that's why you have to have a plan. And let me tell you, I'm not the best planner. I'm more of a fly by the seat of your pants kind of girl because I can be very whimsical and I'm very intuitive. So if it feels right, sometimes I'm like, I don't need the science. It just feels good. Not smart. Don't do that. Combine the art and the science. Right? <laughs> don't be like Tanika. Um, um, but you have, to have, you have to have a plan and it starts with reflection. And for me, it always starts with who am I? What am I good at? What am I passionate about? What motivates me? What drives me? And what does not? I will often ask people, what work do you not like doing every day? If you could scratch it off your job description, what is it? And it's the same in my personal life. What are the things that I don't like doing? I do not like, like, cleaning my house from head to toe. I don't like washing baseboards, right? It's not something that I like to do. Can I do it? Yes. Would I prefer to outsource it? Yes. Do I have a mom that lives with me that scoffs and says, I cannot believe you're paying for that. Like, who are you? Yes, but that's okay. Right. (laughs) But seriously, knowing what you want is important. Knowing what you don't want is important. Knowing what you're not good at is important. How many times have you asked someone, what are the things you're not good at? And they can't articulate it or they're reluctant to. But I'm very clear Mm -hmm. on what those things are for me. And because I'm clear, when an opportunity presents itself, I can very easily reconcile and say, check, yes, or thank you, but no thanks. And we've got to be able to do that because every promotion, to your point, Courtney, isn't the one that we should be taking. Some will not take us further along on our journey in a way that provides us with the fulfillment that we all need. So you, you have to be very intentional about what you want to do. I've turned down things and people thought, she's crazy. I have accepted things and people thought, she's crazy. I've gone after jobs and people thought, why would you even take that job? Like that is not a good move in your career. And it turned out to be a great move. And so you really have to trust what the spirit is telling you. You have to trust your plan and that will help you filter out all of the noise. Because listen, people don't have malicious intent, but they have opinions. Right. And you've got to know what opinions to accept and which opinions to reject. That's what helps me get clear on what I want out of life and particularly my career. I've learned so much already. You see, this is what I said. I continue (laughs) to learn so much from you and in knowing what you want. So for the listeners, if you don't know what you want, we learned so much today. One of the things that I learned is if I don't know what I want, ask why. 
whether it's a positive, something positive that's happening in your life or at work or something negative. Control what you can control. There are so many things that we can't control in our lives, but we can control those things that we're good at, those things that we don't um, want to do. So start asking yourself, what don't I want to do? And maybe that could help you get to knowing what you want. Um, so thank you so much. I, I just learned so much. Courtney, Elisa, any inspiration that you got today? I know I got so much more, but I want to make sure that I, that I share <laughs> the platform. I definitely got leave when it's time to leave. And I definitely got hold space, continue to hold space for myself and others as we all evolve and figuring out what we want every day. Mm -hmm. What I took away from this conversation, it is to yes. create more of this, like what we're doing right now, because we've come together to offer up something to an audience in support of their growth and their development, but it helped us. What if the four of us, me and you three, got together just to talk about things like this, not for an audience, but for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We should do that often. We should pour into each other, even when it isn't an event. And if we were closer, I would say, hey, let's get together this weekend, but we're not. So we just have to figure out how to make <laughs> it happen. But we need to do more of this yes. with people who can help us grow and push us and create healthy tension in our lives. So I just appreciate the three of you for inspiring that. And I need to figure out how to create more conversations like this podcast, but just organically in my life. That was it. <laughs> that was a wonderful <laughs> takeaway. It's a great call to action for everybody out there is this is something they could do themselves. This is something that each one of us here, if we live here today and each of us separately goes and have these type of conversations with other women in our life, just think of the movement. Just think of That's all right. the wisdom and the learning that we will have. Want more advice on how to break the rules and outsmart the game to advance your career? Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, and our website, whatrulespodcast.com for more insight from our guests and hosts and join our community on LinkedIn where we discuss rule-breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a project of Zara Consulting and is supported by the amazing team at Stories Bureau. This episode was produced by Alexandra Uresta with editing and music supervision by Joshua Ramsey and was engineered and mixed by Tim Ballant. Our podcast cover was designed by Delion Creative. Visit whatrulespodcast.com for more info, upcoming events, and all episodes of What Rules, including video, and make sure to give us a follow.